Greetings! Welcome to a special Halloween episode of NCP. Uh, uh, uh. Thank you. I was, glad, I was glad somebody did that. <laughs> I was about to do it. She beat me to it. <laughs> My name is Despicable Dave. And sitting around our campfire today is Creepy Crystal. <laughs> I know you were going to say creepy. I thought I warned you in advance. And Blood Curdling Bow. <laughs> Join us as we regale you with hair-raising tales of horror and mystery. Our top five favorite horror films, and some reviews of some recent horror releases. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> All right. So obviously, uh, I don't know if that really worked for our for our good listeners here, but uh, the general idea is that we're sitting around a campfire, telling tales of horror. Here's our campfire. Very well done. <laughs> I was convinced that we were actually sitting around here. Okay, fine. You don't want that through the whole episode. Yeah, we don't, I know. I, I think that's, that'll be fine. <laughs> we don't have a real campfire because it's bloody hot here. It is really hot. It's hot and humid. It may even be a total fire ban. It'll be, it'll be, no, if it's no. not, it'll be close. Yeah, the whole opposite seasons thing. It's all cold here. <laughs> really? <laughs> Consider yourself lucky. <laughs> I hate it when it's hot. So yeah, so this is our uh, special Halloween episode. It was Halloween last night for us here in Australia. and uh, We had no trick-or-treaters. No, and it's Halloween tonight for you, isn't it, Bo? Yeah, it's Halloween right now. Halloween right now. Have you got, like, candy ready for the kiddies and stuff? Uh, well, I'm in an office building, so I don't think any, ki- I don't think any kids are going to come knock on the door. Yeah? <laughs> what, about, what about at home? At home? Oh, yeah, Becca's uh, she's, uh, watching a movie with her sister... And I'm sure they're ready to give out candy. You know what's crazy, though, is our neighborhood... So we live across the street from a neighborhood that is like the big Halloween neighborhood. There's like a kid who lives in every house. Um, They go outside to the road and they have like buckets of candy. And it's like a parade or something. Wow. So all the kids in our neighborhood just go across the street, you know, to that neighborhood. And we don't usually get but a few trick-or-treaters. The ones that are trying to double dip in both neighborhoods. That's the only ones we ever get. (laughs) The smart ones. <laughs> yeah, because so, it's just such a big event over there. They just it, it kind of attracts them. We don't really get it. We don't really get it on our end. Okay, is that a good or bad thing? I guess it's good. I guess it's good. <laughs> it really is like uh, like when I'm trying to drive home from work on Halloween, there'll be cars just parked down the road. You know, just just lined up to go to this neighborhood. It's like it's like the Halloween like hot spot. It's, oh. it's a huge event there. We've got a we've got a neighbourhood very much like that in Australia, but more for Christmas. So there's uh, one of our suburbs named uh, Ivanhoe. Um, yeah, has has a particular street where it's it's it just goes crazy. It's like Christmas, Christmas lights, it's just madness, and people actually line up to actually get drive down the street and stuff. How would you feel if you were living there and you didn't want to partake, you know, participate? I'd be very annoyed. Were they stoned? Uh. They're like stuff. Yeah, you're, you're in deep shit. <laughs> they, 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 instead of toilet paper you're in your house, they would throw Christmas like tinsel all over it. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It'd be weird. But it's, uh, thank God we don't live down there because uh, well, we couldn't afford to live down there anyway. <laughs> but so uh, we didn't get no, we didn't get any trick or treaters ourselves because we our house is you know behind another house, so it's unlikely you're going to get kids walking up here. It's not very big in our neighborhood. Yeah, in our neighborhood, the only, full the only of old pers- people. The only so. person to knock on our door was the takeaway delivery man. Yeah, with our food, which was good. So we got treats because <laughs> we were hungry. <laughs> 
It, uh, the, um, ca- currently happening right now in, Australia, in uh, Melbourne is uh, PAX Australia, which is uh, bloody awesome. It's my first ever PAX. I missed out on the uh, last couple that were here. And, uh, and I'm now really upset that I didn't go previously because I went yesterday and it was bloody awesome. It's the first time he's come home from a con and he's been excited. Yeah, usually I come home tired and grumpy. But uh, but cons, yeah. So I mean, cons, and they're pretty much the same thing. I mean, like uh, Bo's mentioned before, like you know, we went to New York Comic Con, and and he's been to you know heaps and heaps and heaps of cons, and they're all basically the same. Let's be honest, except except for of course the Almighty Dragon Con, and it's the same thing yeah. here. I mean, they're all they're all pretty much the same. But is but Pax is is different in that in that it's uh, more sort of video game related. As well as also, well, it's gaming of all types, video games and, you know, board games and tabletop games and, you know, Dungeons and Dragons type games and all that sort of stuff. Card games, Magic the Gathering and stuff like that. And and I love that sort of crap. Love it. So it's, it was the sort of the first opportunity I got to sort of be amongst like a whole bunch of, you know, board gamers. Board game nerds are different to video game video game nerds. And which are then also then different to comic book the nerds. comic book nerds. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's different worlds, and it's, it's it was my first first sort of experience of that sort of stuff, and it was awesome. Uh, at least at Comic Con though, you can actually buy comics. You can buy comics here, but you can buy comics at PAX as well. Yes, but you can't buy video games. See, I, I, I asked. I said, "Did you buy Guitar Hero?" Oh no, they don't sell games. What? <laughs> <laughs> it was very strange that at a video game convention you couldn't buy any video games, or unless unless I missed it somewhere, unless there was a booth that I missed that was selling video games, which came I doubt because I walked everywhere. I, I found it very very strange. Came home with a, a horde of board games, so I thought of only natural that you might have got Guitar Hero. I know it's funny. I came home with all these board games, and uh, Crystal doesn't like playing board games, so I don't, I've got no one to play these board <laughs> games with. So it's an absolute waste of time and money. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, I wonder how we could play over Skype. Yeah, <laughs> well, you have to buy it as well, and we sort of have to you know combine the two and I stuff. Mean, but but I mean, the, but the highlight the highlight for me was um, I mean I was there on behalf of uh, Manamojo, and we did you know we did interviews, and I actually did an interview. I got back in the saddle and did a cosplay interview, and uh, sort of just yeah, generally just walked around and like talked to people and stuff. But uh, so that was basically that was a highlight. But the second big, biggest highlight was uh, I went to a panel. Um, I don't normally go to panels, but I went to a panel uh, about all about making your own board game. Um, I think it was actually called oh, cool. Getting Your Own Indie Game Developed. And that was awesome. It was, it was, it was really, it was, well, it's, it was good to know that I did learn some new, some new stuff, some, some stuff that I hadn't really thought, really thought about. But most of what they were saying, I already knew because I've done like a bit of research. Cause I, cause I have. Um, a couple of board game ideas that I, I would like to see developed. Um, so I did a bit of research about it. So I was glad that what I was doing was, you know, ninety percent right. Um, but it was, it was more, it was more that you know I've got actual real game developers. Like there was two game developers and uh, the CEO of a, a game company in America who actually produces these games. So it was good to have you know actual professionals confirm that I was on the right track at, at the very least and give some you know some more sort of tips and. And that sort of stuff, and that was awesome. The panel was great. And then after the panel, I then went to their booth and, and spoke to the CEO um, lady again, and uh, and she was awesome. She was she was really generous with her time, and she actually I, I was just going to say, look, you know, you know, expect a, a an email from me in a couple of months. You know, I'll have with my game idea, and she's like, oh, don't wait a couple of a couple of months, honey. Sit down and uh, tell me your idea. And I was like, 
that's bloody awesome so uh, and it's, it kind of threw me off because I was like oh, well now I can't remember how my game works <laughs> so, <laughs> but she was cool she was really really cool she was uh, she was happy that uh, Crystal and I were a, a production team and uh, we sort of mixed our creativity and stuff and she I mean she gave me some tips about the the game I mean she, I mean I won't lie she didn't say she didn't say it was the greatest game idea she ever heard but she also I mean she there was she pointed out some sort of things that she didn't really think worked she pointed out the things that she thought did work and uh, it was good. It was, it was invaluable feedback. So we'll see how it goes. You ever been to a PAX bar? No, I've never been to one. Um, I am recently like getting into board games, though. I've, I've heard of some really cool ones. What are some of the ones you picked up? Uh, I picked, uh, well, I've got a heap of them in the back room that I've never even played. <laughs> but uh, just, just <laughs> yesterday I picked up um, Mysterium and Star Wars X-Wing tactical game. Uh, that and sounds cool. Yeah, it is. It's bloody awesome. And they've got it sewn up because, you know, Star Wars fans, they can't help themselves. They'll spend money. And uh, basically, it's it's little models of the ships that you move around and kind of like Warhammer, but with models oh, that, with the ships. I watched, yeah, I watched a YouTube video of someone playing that. That yeah. looks freaking intense. Yeah. It looks like really involved, but it looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, it's bloody awesome. And, of course, you then have to go and buy all the ships and... You know, so you want a squadron of TIE fighters, you got to go buy all the TIE fighters, and they're all like $20 each, and, you know, it's like bloody hell. So, yeah, they've got it worked out. Um, and I also bought, um, um, what was the other one? Letter, uh, Letter Tycoon, which is kind of like a cross between Scrabble and Monopoly, uh, where you basically sell the actual letters themselves and stuff. And, and yeah, and like I said, I've got, you know, games in the back room that I, I, um, I actually kick, was part of a Kickstarter campaign for a board game um, called Journey. Wrath of Demons, which I haven't even played. And Is it a Firefly one that I got you? Yeah, Firefly game. Star Wars. That sounds right. World of Warcraft board game. Never played it. That's cool. Is it like a Warhammer style game or is it the World of Warcraft Monopoly? No, no, it's more like, uh, well, it's actually not, it's more like Risk, I'd say. Oh, I've seen those. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's old school because it's, it, it's, set, it's set around the Eastern and Western Plaguelands. But back, oh, wow. but it, we're talking vanilla Eastern and Western Plaguelands, you know what I mean? Like before Cataclysm mm. changed it all. So it's, it was a while ago. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 one of their one of their first board games. So it's it's uh, it looks awesome. So it's basically just you trying to survive and take over the land with before the zombies do. I think I think it's 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 during the it came out during the the event in Warcraft where they did the zombie invasion when they opened up um, yes. Nax. Yeah, so it's a collector's edition. So it's probably good that you haven't played it. Well, I've opened it. No. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah in various other stuff, you know, style of stuff. But see, I'm glad you're getting into the board games. But since we're on the other side of the world, I don't think it's going to work. Yeah, I, did, I don't got nobody to play. I recently started playing uh, Dice Masters. Oh, cool! Yeah, they had plenty of those. I got, oh. no, I got nobody to play against. We should try to find a way to play Dice Masters on uh, <laughs> on on uh, Skype. But um, did you see a game there called Pandemic? Yeah, man, that was huge. Dude, I, I recently heard about that game, and yeah, it's blowing up. But there's like a new, so there's Pandemic, and then there's like a new version of Pandemic. Yeah, and I don't I don't know which one's which, but one is like you open up the game, and you can only possibly play it like twenty times um, before you've you know messed up all your pieces and stuff, and you got to buy a new copy of the game. But it's kind of neat because the way it works is like um, the game will tell you to rip up cards or put stickers on you know certain parts of the board. There's certain things that you're not supposed to open in the box like it'll say like don't open this pack um until you lose four games in a row or something like that like it's uh 
it's an ever evolving you know game as you play it. Yeah, and it's it's, um, it's ever evolving yeah. game because that concept it ties into the the theme of the game, which is um, a, a pandemic spreading around the world and and killing everybody. Yeah. So it's basically the the, yeah. the movie Contagion set in in a, in a board game. Yeah, that was huge, but that was the one that was selling. Like these, the, the two games, the two big games of the show were this Mysterium game and uh, Pandemic. So, yeah, cool. huge. I want to try Pandemic. Yeah, see, I, I, I want to try it. Didn't Pandemic? It didn't do it for me. I must admit. I had. I, saw, I watched some people playing it, and I was like, yeah. yeah, I think this would work better as a an actual video game. Well, they have one. They have one, but it's just for the old set. It's not for the new one. Right. And okay. and the reason why the reason why it works that way is because you know it's just not as I think if you're like tearing up bards and stuff like that, that I think that's more fun physically than just, you know, uh, you know, you actually get to see the card disappear from your stack, and that affects the statistics of what cards you can draw in the next game you play because you know, the previous game made you destroy that card. Whereas if it's if it's all on a computer, even though the computer may have a system to remember to never put that card in the deck again, it doesn't feel as real. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's also a very clever way of making you pay pay for another copy of the game. Yeah, but it works like it works twenty times. I mean, you can play the game yeah. twenty times. Yeah. <laughs> most most board games, uh, like you said, you never even opened a few of them. So <laughs> I feel like I, I feel like twenty times would last me a while. <laughs> right. Okay. Good. All right. Well, yeah. Well, Mysterium was the other one that was uh, the big hit, and that's about um, a bunch of uh, psychic investigators who are trying to communicate with this ghost so one player plays the ghost but the ghost can't talk so all the ghost can do is put down um images and dreams and stuff like that and you have to sort of interpret what these images and dreams mean to sort of investigate who the the person the living version of this ghost was and you've you've got a time limit it's a very specific time limit and so if you don't figure it out by then and the ghost gets banished to you know purgatory or something and you you die i suppose i don't know i don't know i'm bloody yet pretty cool that sounds, it looks that sounds awesome yeah it's pretty cool and it, it, it looks really really nice and stuff so maybe i'll convince crystal to play it but uh we'll see maybe get a few more people around to... I, don't, I don't i don't want to push too hard because i want uh, i wanted to help play test my games so. yeah, well the last time i played that i beat you i know it was pretty cool and <laughs> <laughs> you never let me finish never let me forget about if it if i play again i may not beat you i may not be reigning champion that's right exactly <laughs> Let's uh, let's continue on with the the show. The back to the campfire. We're back around a campfire. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so uh, yes, yeah, so marshmallows. Uh, marshmallows. What? So we've got the torch under our under our faces. It's like hmm. <laughs> Ooh, prepare to be scared. <laughs> this doesn't really work on sound. I'm afraid. What <laughs> be? Would have been better with video. We're not Radio Lab. Yeah, we're not, we're not very good. <laughs> but we try, people. We try. Uh, so, uh, so I think what we'll do is we'll start off with some reviews. So, so to start off with, I'll be reviewing the Vatican Tapes. Uh, now, I wanted to start with the Vatican Tapes because it was the least enjoyable one of all the three that we watched. Um, so I thought I'd get out of the way quick. Like a band-aid. <laughs> yeah. Rip it off fast to get right rid of it. Right off. Um, right off. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so The Vatican Tapes is a 2015 horror horror thriller film directed by Mark Neville Dine and uh, stars Olivia Taylor Dudley, who is from somewhere. I don't know. I read up somewhere that she was she's 
people would know her that name from somewhere. I, I don't know. She just doesn't look familiar to me. Uh, Michael Peter, who people will know from from Ant Man and various other you know hundred other things, but he's uh, he's uh, he starred on the rise since his appearance in Ant Man, where he plays uh, Scott's friend, the fast talking friend, does a great stuff. Uh, and uh, Doug Ray Scott, who at one point was going to be huge. And didn't turn out to be all that huge, unfortunately, which is a shame. Cause There's I, still time left. Yeah, I like him. <laughs> uh, but also, more importantly, uh, now I'm going to stuff up this name, but it also has uh, Jumon Honsu. Honsu? Honsu? He's so hot right now. No, um, <laughs> Jumon, Jumon Honsu. He's uh, you know, the very striking uh, African man. He was in Gladiator. He plays you know, the Gladiator's friend in Gladiator. Yeah. I anyway, need to hear it before I can say it. Right. He's awesome. I think he's great. He's he really is good. I mean, he didn't he didn't start off as a professional actor, and uh, you know, sort of just got sort of chucked into it. And and I think I think the island was his first one. I don't know, maybe, maybe something like that. But uh, he's good. He's really, really. really I, I, uh, he was basically the highlight for the show for me. He plays a plays a priest, and uh, does a great job. So basically, what it is the story is about uh, a young lady who becomes uh, possessed. And uh, they have to have an exorcism. And uh, well, I'll read the storyline from you. Uh, follows the ultimate battle between good and evil, God versus Satan. Angela Holmes is an ordinary 27-year-old. She's 27. Ordinary. I didn't. I didn't know that. I didn't realize that. Plus, she was only like 22 or something. So she begins to have devastating effect on anyone close, causing serious injury and death. Holmes is examined, and possession is suspected, but when the Vatican is called upon to exorcise the demon, the possession proves to be an ancient satanic force more powerful than ever imagined. It's all up to Father Lozanzo, which is Michael Pina, uh, to wage war for more than just Angela's soul, but for the world as we know it. So, as you can probably gather from that description, um, I tried to make it a bit more exciting than it actually is. It really is just a very standard girl-possessed movie. There's a hundred of yeah. them. I mean, it really. There's, it, it really. This movie doesn't really do anything more with the the concept of you know. And it always seems to be a girl. What's that about? It's creepier, it's, man. Is it creepier? You reckon? Yeah. Girls are easily more easily possessed. In, is that what is that what they're trying to say? That, that's well. In, <laughs> in my extensive knowledge of possession, <laughs> <laughs> your encyclopedic knowledge of possession. Yes. Anyway. Um. Anyway. So it's yes. Yeah, so We're more easily possessed. Yes. That was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I did like the fact that you made your eyes go wide there. That was really cool. That wasn't me. Oh, that, that was the demon. That was it. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. So it's yeah. There's like I said, there's a hundred versions of this, and and they're all they're all pretty much the same. It's very rare that they sort of they they sort of deviate from the from the norm. Um, there, there's been a couple of attempts uh, where they've made it so that the girl's actually not possessed at all, and you know, I don't know, various other aspects. And this film doesn't really like attempt a, any of those sort of things. Twist at the end or something. Yeah, they try to have some sort of twist and it doesn't turn out She's just right. schizophrenic. There was one I watched uh, where it's like an old lady and they suspect that she is actually just schizophrenic. Mm. And of course it turns out that she's not. But the twist is not... Is I mean, it's, it's obvious from the beginning that she is possessed, but the twist is, is how the possession actually occurred, which I thought was quite, I think, quite was interesting. But anyway, but back to uh, the Vatican tapes. Um, the, the, real, the real strength of this is... Uh, some of the acting, and I do say some of the acting because some of them really don't. I mean, people like Doug Ray Scott and stuff. It's they're clearly just in it for the for the paycheck. Um, but uh, Olivia Taylor Dudley gives it at all. I mean, she I mean she has a pretty as as all the possessed 
characters do. They have a pretty strenuous sort of task, and uh, you know, doing all the wacky, crazy stuff that they end up doing. And uh, she does, she does a really good job. Michael Pena. It's always good to see Michael Pena. And uh, as I mentioned before, is Jumon uh, is always good. But other than that, I really got much more to say. I mean, it is very, a very much a stock standard film, so it's not terrible uh, by any stretch. It is a competently made film, but it is essentially the exact same girl possessed story that you've seen a hundred times before. So I don't. So you know, check it out. If that's if that's your thing, by all means, check it out. There's definitely worse. Uh, so that's the Vatican Tapes, and that is available now on Video On Demand and DVD. What's the solution to that? Like, what do you think people, like, what, what's the way to tell that story in a unique way now? Because yeah. I'm with you. Those movies are all the same. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, well, like, like I was saying before with, that, with the film about the, uh, the old lady, um, which I now shamedly can't remember the name of, but it's, it, I guess it's, it's sort of, you could have to play with the, how it was done, I suppose, maybe, or even maybe make it not a woman for a change. <laughs> you know, get some possessed kids in there or something. Yeah, kids animals. are kids are kids are creepy. So make some possessed kids. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I don't know. Possessed animals. I mean, it's yeah. I don't know. I don't know both. It's it's a good question. I just don't know the answer for you. I'm possessed aliens. What if, possessed what if aliens. Possessed, <laughs> a possessed priest, and the priest that's coming to do the exorcism. He's the one that actually needs to be exercised. Hey man, that's good. That's good. TM 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 copyright right here. <laughs> but then you need. But then the problem is the chicken and the egg. Why is he there doing an exorcism if the girl's not exorc? Is the girl's not possessed in the first place? Because they're so, rival. Because they're rivals in hell. The girl is possessed. So the girl is also uh, possessed. The priest is possessed and doesn't realize what if everybody? it. Everybody. What yeah. if everybody's possessed? Not everybody. No, no. Well, let's <laughs> let's let's continue this. This is good. So the girl is possessed. The priest is possessed and doesn't actually know he is, but suspects maybe something's up because he's having some weird shit happening. And then they yeah. get together in a room, and the possessed girl just laughs at him, and then a full on psychic battle, demon battle, demon demon battle goes on. They start talking to each other in the room, and the priest doesn't remember the conversations. Yeah. Yeah, and it's almost like uh, the priest has like a split personality that's that's against him. Yeah, wow, that's good. Copyright TM. I, NCP. I was, I was thinking it could be it could be some kind of weird comedy, right? Where <laughs> the priest is trying to the priest is possessed and he's trying to frame some innocent girl in the in the city um, of being possessed. He's he's going and turning all the you know crosses in a room upside down. And, making it look like, you know, and the family just automatically jumps to, she must be possessed, and then they hire him to come uh, get the demon out, but he was the demon all along. <laughs> no, dude, can we can we twist that? Instead of making it a comedy, can we actually twist it a little bit so that the girl, he's framing, he is possessed, and he's keeping himself, he's, he's making, making a name for himself in the church by, you know, exercising these all these girls who actually aren't possessed at all. He's rigged the whole thing. But then he eventually yeah. meets he eventually meets one girl who actually really is possessed, and yeah. then that demon attacks his demon. Yeah. Well, that was uh, review number one. So let's. Uh, what I think we should do is now now get back our torches and uh, back around the campfire and tell what about tell one of our favourite scary stories. And I think Bo should go first. I should go first. Yeah, you should go first. All right. So uh, I only really have one really good ghost story. 
there's there's one other I can think of, but the the one that uh, probably works out the best narratively is uh, when I was a kid. Uh, I say kid, I'm getting old. Um, <laughs> whenever I was a teenager, right? Um, I uh, I used to go. Me and my friends used to go to this place called Apple Island. It's here. It's here in Anderson. Actually, it's not in Anderson. It's it's uh it's closer to to Hartwell. It's on the Georgia side, but um, it's this island in Hartwell Lake, and it's more of a peninsula than it is an island. You can get there by by road, and it's not like a bridge. It just there's barely a land bridge that connects you to the island. And then once you get to the island, it's actually pretty big. There's like um, there's like houses and stuff, and there used to be. One of the um, cool ghost stories about my town is there used to be a city where Hartwell Lake is. Um, basically, it's a man-made lake. It's not a natural occurring lake. Um, and they evacuated the city, obviously, and relocated everybody. But there's churches and houses and things like that under underneath the lake. They just filled all that with water. Um, why? And there's... I have no idea why. <laughs> this was like this was like a really long time ago when they did this. They only usually um, they really only do that when they're like doing dams and stuff. Is there a dam there? There is. There is Hartwell. Hartwell is a dam. There's a Hartwell Dam. Okay, cool. On okay. um, yeah, on this side of the dam, it's called Hartwell. On the other side, it's called uh, Lake Russell, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, you can actually like scuba dive down there, and there's like an old church. There's all sorts of creepy stuff that people go down there and look at. That's cool. Um, yeah, it's pretty neat. It's pretty neat. I've seen pictures, but I've personally never, never done that. Although there, I have had family members that were scuba divers. So I had an opportunity to, but I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I probably would have drowned. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> we used to go out to this, this Island. There's an Island that exists where I guess it was like the highest, you know, highest point, um, of land. So that, you know, there's a few islands that, that exist in Hartwell Lake. Um, and there's an old church. There's a few like old buildings on the island. And me and my friends used to go down there and just kind of like you know wander around and, and scare each other and, and you know just be silly. Um, there was obviously other teachers, other teenagers used to go there and do the same thing because you'd always see like pentagrams and candles and stuff. And there was all <laughs> these stories about how this was where like uh, you know Satanists would come at night and sacrifice cats and stuff. But it was all it was all just made up. Um, or was it uh, or was it yeah as far as I know Uh, so this one particular night we were we were going out there and it wasn't actually it was one particular night that was the scariest but it was kind of an urban legend that that there was some sort of bad voodoo you know bad spirits on the island that would hang out there because um, you know, because of the town being, you know, flooded and somehow that led to, you know, when we were teenagers, I guess in our vivid imagination, we thought that like people were just, you know, in their houses and then all of a sudden this water just appeared and drowned everybody. <laughs> but that's, that's totally not the way they did it. But, you know, we believe that because, uh, maybe because, uh, graves and things, uh, were underwater now that weren't supposed to be, that there was, you know, bad spirits on the island. And the legend was that you would, you would, go to the island and hear like uh, screams, like a woman's scream on the island. And we used to go out there and we would scream and try to scare all our friends and stuff like that. <laughs> well, this one night we, we took the road. You can't drive down the road. There's, there's like a, there's like a roadblock that doesn't allow cars across like the land bridge area. Um, but you can get out and walk. So we'd get out and walk. We just, just by the light of our cell phones and, we would walk through the 
the road and it's like it used to be a road before everything on the island overgrew like there's just you know trees and bushes and vines everywhere um but it's still where the road is you know it's walkable because it's pavement there nothing grew there well the deeper and deeper you get into the island it just encroaches on you it's just the the trees and and the bushes and everything just like kind of flood and into into the road more and more until it gets to the point that you don't realize that you're walking down a path at this point like you're walking down a single file path surrounded by trees um and the road has been you know just completely taken over and walking deeper and deeper into this it's it's pitch black um we were walking by the light of my cell phone and this is this is in the days whenever people had cell phones but smartphones weren't a thing mm. so it was probably just some flip phone yeah and um and we're walking further and further and just keep daring each other, you know, trying to be braver than the, the you know, the next person. And and then I kid you not, there's no there's it's probably four of us um, and none of us did it. But as loud as, you know, like something out of a movie, there was just a blood curdling scream from the <laughs> other side of the island from where we were. Um, and I dropped and closed my cell phone. <laughs> right right whenever we heard this and everybody just panicked and just we were tripping over each other and just just <laughs> you know grabbing on each other's clothes and running you know trying to run back to where the road used to be and um i mean it sounded like it sounded like just like a loud scream and then it happened again while we were running and so i mean we just we just completely panicked and with no light we're running through you know bushes and it's like scratching me in the face <laughs> and um, we got back to the car, jumped in the car, and just drove back home like nothing happened. <laughs> I still didn't have my cell phone. It was one of those, it was one of those like prepaid phones you get, those burner yeah. phones. Yeah. Um, well, we went back the next day during the day to try to get my phone. Yeah. This was the deepest we'd ever went in the woods. Mm -hmm. um, so we go back to get my phone. We found it, but cool. what we also found was that just a little bit further, if we just kept going a little bit further, and if it had been daylight and we could see around us, we would have saw that there was a house on the other side of the island that had a bunch of exotic birds, <laughs> and they were making these screeching noises that sounded just like people screaming. <laughs> <laughs> Only there during the day where we could see the birds, it wasn't quite as scary. But I, I'm guessing that like in my generation, in my, in my city... A lot of kids in my age group were going out there and hearing these birds and thinking and thinking that it was, you know, making up the lore behind why there was a woman screaming on the island. And it turns out it was just some weird flamingos. <laughs> <laughs> That's an awesome story. That's pretty good. Yeah, and, and you know, and you know, also I heard, um, I heard uh, from a woman I used to work with, where she was saying that uh, she used to go out to that same island and, and do. You know, like mundane stuff. Like she would go there for like family picnics and stuff like that. And I was just thinking, like, if the island is really haunted, how come it's only the sixteen-year-olds that are getting scared off the island? Like, it seems like everybody else goes there and just has picnics, and you know, doesn't have any issues. Because they're going, because <laughs> they're going to have picnics during the day, bro. There's no ghosts during the day. <laughs> I guess so. I guess I guess you gotta go out there at night, um, but you know, I don't know how good of a ghost story it is because it does have an explanation that it was the bird. But if you were asking or me the scariest the moment in my life, that was the scariest. That was hands down the scariest I've ever been in my life. That 
when we heard the people screaming yeah. uh, and, and then trying to run through the woods in pitch black, that was the scariest thing. And it probably, <laughs> in reality, was all of you know, 30, 45 seconds, maybe a minute, you know, but it felt like, it felt like we were in, in, uh, what's that movie where they're wandering around the woods, shaky cam, the Blair Witch Project, it felt yeah. like we were in the Blair Witch Project, um, <laughs> it was, it was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> See, man, that's, I don't, I don't know, there's, there's no, just because you then saw the birds, it doesn't mean it was the birds, that's maybe true. it's the ghost <laughs> wanting to, wanting you to think that it's the birds. Yeah, man. And I remember another weird. I remember another weird thing about about Apple Island. Um, Is there any apples on it? I, no apples on the whole damn island. I don't <laughs> know why it's called Apple Island. Um, I, another weird thing about that place is there. You know how like um, and this may this is a big thing in America. You're driving down the highway and there's like charity groups and stuff that will like like donate a high, they'll they'll clean the highway up and it'll say. You know, this high, there'll be signs on the side of the highway that'll say, like, this highway is kept clean by, mm. you know, the Girl Scouts of America or something like that. Yep. Um, the road leading to Apple Island says this highway is kept clean by the magnet people. And I've always wondered <laughs> what the hell the magnet people are. And that's the, uh, that's the only place I've ever heard of it is on Apple Island. Who the hell are the magnet people? <laughs> <laughs> if anybody's listening who knows who the magnet people are in South Carolina, please let us know. <laughs> it sounds like some like Dharma initiative stuff, and maybe they're doing, you know, maybe they're doing weird experiments on uh, on these birds out here on this island. I don't know. Well, maybe maybe the island is uh, it's like it's like that island in that Stephen King story where they uh, they open up the dimensional portal and and uh, the mist comes through. Uh, the mist. Maybe there's a yeah. similar deal there. The magnet people are actually doing weird experiments with magnets, and they've you know they've caused some sort of drama. I don't know, dude. Cool. All right, let's uh, continue on with another review. That's good. It's a good story. Uh, the second one is uh, once again from E1 Entertainment is Cell Two One Three. Okay, now Cell Two One Three was. Uh, a little bit better, a little bit better in in the quality stakes. It's directed by Stephen K, uh, and stars Bruce Greenwood uh, as the Warden. Uh, Eric Balfour. The fact that the Warden doesn't have an actual name indicates to you that something's up. The Bruce Greenwood name we know. Yeah, yeah Bruce Greenwood played Captain Pike in the Star Trek movies. Right. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Eric Balfour. Who is terrible. Um, and always awesome, Michael Rooker. Um, always entertaining. Uh, so basically, uh, the, the general idea of this is that... Uh, well, I actually won't read the description because it gives it away. <laughs> but anyway, but the general idea is that there's a cell in this prison, cell 213, that is haunted. And uh, anybody who uh, gets put into there, any prisoner that gets put into there, is driven insane by the sins of their past. Uh, so what the cell does is it actually, it uh, kind of like Ghost Rider's penance stare. Pro- uh, basically, it just makes you relive all the bad things that you've done until eventually it just makes you go mental. There you go. I had to throw in a Marvel comic reference there just because mm-hmm. I'm a nerd. Um, and uh, this cocky lawyer is played by Eric, um, a real scumbag lawyer, uh, gets kind of framed i suppose like a, the guy he goes to the prison in order to interview his client and his client was in 213 and has gone insane by this point and so uh commits suicide but commits suicide using eric's pen 
with Eric's hands on it. So basically, so Eric's got the pen in his hand. It's pretty. It's pretty well done scene actually. Like Aaron's got his his hand on this on this on the pen, and he basically the guy, the psycho guy, grabs his hand and then proceeds to stab himself in the neck like a hundred times using. You know, it's like you know, it's like when you're trying to, it's like stop punching yourself, stop punching yourself, stop punching yourself. It's that sort of thing. Anyway, so in that, so of course now he's covered in blood and horrified, and that's when the guards come in and they're like, "What the hell?" And so he gets thrown in prison. Let's skip over the trial. <laughs> Just take it straight in. No, no, there is a trial. He goes, he goes back to the same prison. Um, uh, so he's he is innocent of that particular crime, obviously, uh, but because he's such a scumbag. You know, he's cheating on his wife and he's rigged cases and all that sort of stuff. He's, you know, you don't feel any any uh, remorse. He gets put into uh, cell 213 and uh, weird stuff starts to happen. Now, actually, I didn't mind this film. I actually didn't mind it at all, um, other than Eric's terrible acting. Everybody else around him was so good, especially, you know, Michael Rooker being awesome. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it actually, I thought it was, you know, it was actually quite quite enjoyable and it's I mean it's it, again it's not something it's something you haven't seen a hundred you know you've seen it a hundred times before but I just I, I thought it was I was you know entertained until the final revelation right at the end like it's 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 it does that it's not quite M. Night Shyamalan type quality I mean it wasn't hard to figure it out but I just didn't think it was necessary for the actual main plot of the story like the main the, basically while this guy is being haunted like he's he's done some pretty despicable things. This 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 lawyer guy, but what the cell the cell takes it takes advantage of the fact that he's not a complete asshole um, by trying to get uh, revenge for something someone else actually did. So he, they basically they haunt him until he's has, he basically has to you know help them from beyond the grave sort of stuff. And I quite enjoyed that. I, was, I thought it was quite it was quite well done. Um, I especially like the special effect of the when the writing appears on the wall and stuff like that. So, and you get uh, an investigator comes in because because there's been accusations of of um, bad things happening at the prison because of Michael Rooker's character and you know being a scumbag. And so she comes in to investigate and stuff, and she you know figures out that the lawyer's innocent and lots of stuff. So none of this is vital to the plot, but I, I quite enjoyed it. But then for some strange reason, it actually it 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 goes ahead with what it's been hinting at throughout the film right at the very end. And I was just like, nah, this is, is, it's pointless, and it quite frankly is dumb. So that's the only thing that sort of dragged it, dragged it down a little bit for me. So if I'd stopped, if I had stopped the film at a certain point, I'd have been like, this is actually pretty good. But unfortunately, I didn't. I watched it to the end. So, uh, but, uh, but that being said, that, that's just me. You, um, anybody else might have, might have enjoyed that sort of stuff, especially if you have a bit of a religious bent, you might think that was actually pretty cool. And uh, I recommend it for for that very reason. It is actually it is actually quite quite decently made. That was Cell Two One Three. Cool. It is now available at the moment on the video on demand and DVD. DVD. D. V. D. Awesome. So let's go on to our next scary story. We'll have Crystal. Oh, it's not really a scary story, and I don't really remember much details. But we'll see how we go. All right. So we've got the torches. Torches. You got the fire campfire? Fire. <laughs> <laughs> it looked more like you were doing like a rumba or something. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Go for it. Okay. Um, mine's a nightmare. And it's Ooh. it's like the geekiest nightmare ever. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> I dreamt that the earth was being invaded and tried to assimilate by the Borg. Ooh. <laughs> so I was with a group of people. I don't I have no idea who they are now, but they seemed familiar to me at the time. So it could be anybody. don't know. And we were trying to escape the Borg, but there was some weird twist to it. And so they weren't just like your standard, bog standard Star Trek Borg. They sort of were mixed in with a bit of the Stargate replicators as well, in that when they assimilated you, you sort of had this scaly effect happen, like the replicators mm-hmm. in Stargate. And that they also assimilated the scenery as well. So you're sort of walking through this um, silvery, scaly landscape. Mm. Um, and we were trying to figure out a way to get f- away from them, and of course a train zooms past, but it's a Borg train, <gasps> but it's the only way to get away from them, so we, we get aboard this Borg train, and then um, we come, with the, we're sort of hiding from the Borg so they don't assimilate us, we're going over a, a ravine, and we dive out of the train and run into the greenery and try to get us as far away from the Borg as possible. That's the whole thing. And then I woke up. So we managed to escape being assimilated. That's pretty good. Well, at that point, I mean, yeah. eventually they will. I mean, cool. resistance is futile. And why was it a night? <laughs> <laughs> why was it a nightmare? Was it, it was because the assimilation process was so horrible? Or? I don't want to be assimilated. Yeah, well, then, then you become sexy Borg like seven or nine, and you're all good. I'm running away in fear of the yeah. assimilation. Okay. Borg are uh, only yeah. slightly less scary than zombies. Right. Seven <laughs> wasn't sexy in her Borg form, though. She was sexy, you know, in her more human. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So you, so you become a horrible, you know, horrible Borg, and then then you get, you know, you get saved, yeah, and you, be, you become part of the <laughs> become part of the crew, and you got that sexy jumpsuit business. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you weren't assimilated. Well, thank you. Uh, review number three. So I saved the best for last. Now, uh, Crystal and I both watched this. So I'm going to let Crystal control the review, and I'll jump in with my bits. Oh, he tells me now. He tells me in the deep end. <laughs> well, that's what, it's a horror episode, horror themed. Horror themed. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, it was a TV show called the the... Enfield Haunting. Yes. Yeah, it's testing my memory. It was a miniseries, wasn't it? Wasn't an actual show. Miniseries, yeah. Um, basically, uh, I actually, it's not going to come as a shock to everyone that I haven't seen a lot of horror, but this is basically also your standard possessed sort of story. Um, but the twist was it's supposedly based on a true story. That they all are. That they all are. <laughs> so uh, what happens is um, this young family, minus the dad, because the dad's left them, have moved into a new house. And the house turns out to be haunted by a poltergeist of an old, very not very nice man who uh, possesses the youngest girl. Um, and then a investigator comes around to to investigate this and and i'm not skipping anything here because they tend to sort of jump the minor bits of the story and just leap onto the next bit of the story yeah well the real life version of the story takes about two and a half years so they've sort of compressed it yeah but there's sort of no oh let's contact this investigator or anything he just suddenly appears and well he doesn't just suddenly appear he gets a call from the from the reporters yeah um it's sort of this sort of there's no sort of linking stuff there yeah yeah. Anyway, he comes around and he's sort of a nice avuncular uh, type character. I quite liked his character actually. His name is Morris, um, <laughs> and he starts to investigate and realizes that this is the real deal and calls in uh, another expert named Guy Playfair. Guy 
Guy Playfair, who's a, a real a real character. He's the one that wrote the original book. They're both real characters. Maurice Gross um, is played by Timothy Spall, and uh, he's a sort of a paranormal investigator yeah. inventor. And uh, Guy Playfair was uh, played by Matthew McFadden, and he's he was a he's also a yeah. real person, and he's the one that wrote, wrote the book, yeah. and he is also he's played like a paranormal investigator. Yeah, yeah. So that's sort of a nice tie into the to real world, and obviously they've embellished. Uh, the story for the screen wise um, I haven't read the book but you know he may have embellished a bit for the book as well but uh, I mean very well acted I, mean, I have to say Timothy Spall's very very good um, and the little girl is excellent but um, story wise it was just uh, nothing sort of came along that really surprised me Yeah, and it's just the pacing really got to me it was just sort of they sort of jumped from thing to thing really quickly I like David said, they had to compress down two and a half years, but you don't get the sense that two and a half years have gone by in the show, mm. unless you already knew that. You don't really get that that sense. Yeah, it it's looks sort of, like it actually occurs over the course of a couple of weeks. Yeah, and it just sort of all happens very, very quickly, um, with no sort of connecting things. Like the mum really just sort of stands in the background, wringing her hands a lot, and doesn't really have a lot to do with the the story and. Mm. The production values were quite good, well shot. Um, it's sort of a nostalgic look at the 70s. I like that sort of deal. And it was it was sort of one of those ones that. So sometimes when things are shot, like period, period dramas, are shot um, to look like they're in the 70s. That everyone looks like they're playing dress up. This one, yeah. this one quite looked quite natural. Yeah, I quite like that. Sort of watched it because David made me watch it. <laughs> I didn't make you watch it. <laughs> it was it wasn't bad. I didn't hate it. Don't think I'd be rushing it to see it again anytime soon. Right, David. What did you think? <laughs> Thank you. That that interesting segue. Um, yeah, I, well, I agree with I agree with the acting. I think every, everything with everybody was excellent, especially Eleanor, uh, who played um, young Janet. I mean, she was she was magnificent. You know, despite her young age, she was she really she really sold it. She really sold it. I'm sorry. Um, it was it was interesting. I, I quite I quite enjoyed it a lot. Actually, I I, I think they should do more of them. Um, I, I do. Uh, I know quite a bit of the background of the Enfield uh, Enfield Haunting, and, and uh, while watching the show, I actually did some more reading as well and stuff like that. And they do they do play fast and loose with the facts, um, but they needed to do that in order to, you know, make it a bit more entertaining. But they touched on the major aspects of it of where um, the the basic idea is they at first well Morris believes them wholeheartedly, um, uh, Guy at first thinks they're making it up and then starts to believe as well. And then, but then it's sort of uh, through the course of the events, um, they, they admit that they were making it up and then, but then they say that they were sort of half making it up, half not making it up and, you know, various sort of stuff. So that sort of happens to sort of keep the story progressing. Um, it does have a really cool final scene. Um, I just, I, I, it was magnificent, so, which I won't spoil it. So, uh, I do, I do wish they had touched on the, the so-called levitating. Like it's the, the opening sequence, the opening credits is quite well done. Um, and it actually shows people floating in, in the air and stuff like that. And one of the aspects of the story, the actual real story, is that uh, they said that they were being levitated by this poltergeist. Um, and the photos, have actually had so, they've got so-called photographic evidence, and it just looks so unbelievably fake. So it looks so obvious that it clearly is just the girls bouncing on the bed that I'm like, how could anybody have ever fallen for this? Um, and and they don't touch on that at all in in the show, in the actual recreation. And I think they did that on purpose because 
it's so obviously fake that they wanted to sort of keep the the aspects of oh you know this could possibly be true and all that sort of stuff. So um, so well, that was a bit of a disappointment, which uh, sort of dragged it a bit for me. But the rest of it, yeah, acting was top notch, production was top notch, and uh, it was actually quite entertaining show. Yeah, my only real problem with it was the the pacing. Yeah, the pacing was a bit off. I, I do I do accept that the pacing was a bit weird. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I highly recommend it. I, it was check it out. It was actually a um, BB, was it a BBC production? Was it? Was it was, it was certainly it was, English. It was, yeah, so it's a British a British television production. I, I don't know who exactly produced it, but it was, it was definitely made for British TV, and it was a huge rating success. Uh, so it looks like they will be doing some more. Um, and uh, I don't know if it's actually been been going to actually be screened on TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have to assume it's going to at some point. The opening uh, uh, opening titles were very X Filey. Oh, there was massive X Files ripoff, <laughs> uh, including the music. Yeah. Uh, but they still were pretty cool. Uh, so it is actually out on digital HD and DVD on the 18th of November, um, and so I can only assume at some point it will then go to TV as well. But I hope, check it out. Check it out on digital HD on on 18th of November uh, if you're in Oz, because uh, it was actually quite well done. The third scary story, and that's me. <laughs> I got the torch. I'm ready to go. Okay. The fire. Yeah, this is this is a true story, <laughs> or is it? <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. Uh, when I was growing up, uh, I uh, my mother had a bit of a crisis of faith, and during that crisis of faith, she dragged uh, my brother and I through, you know, a, quite a wide range of the world's religions. Um, so basically her daughter had just died, my sister. And so she's like, well, you know, how could God allow these sort of things to happen? And so I went around and sort of asking that, that basic question through all the religions to sort of try and find some semblance of sanity, I suppose. Yeah. So at the time, of course, uh, we very much as my brother and I very much resented it. Uh, but, uh, looking back at it now, um, I'm actually really glad that it happened. Uh, it was, uh, it basically opened our eyes to, Sort of, sort of aspects of the world that we wouldn't never have ever seen. So, um, so I do thank her for that. But part of that was um, obviously a dip into, uh, you know, being a being a young man. I was obviously interested in sort of the supernatural and all that sort of stuff. Quite liked all that sort of stuff. Big fan of the Twilight Zone and you know, you know, ghosts and goblins and werewolves and vampires and all that sort of stuff. Um, so uh, during my time going through these religions, I sort of focused more on their myths and legends more than whether God existed or not, because quite frankly, I didn't care. So it was, uh, it was awesome in terms of that sort of, that's, that's what really sparked, uh, my imagination in terms of the supernatural and stuff. Cause, cause as you can imagine, a lot of religions have quite substantial sort of supernatural stories. I mean, not just the Catholic church, but, uh, Jewish churches, you know, the Jewish religion is full of that sort of stuff and, and, uh, that sort of thing. Um, so, because of that, uh, because my, the friends that I had at the time uh, sort of saw me as some sort of uh, supernatural expert, for want of a better word. I mean, they, obviously, they, they didn't think I knew everything. But you were the spooky Mulder of your time. I was. I was, yeah. <laughs> and um, and so so whenever they had... Um, it's, and, it, and it was interesting because, I mean, kids are assholes. And so, <laughs> you know, it, it would have been the perfect time to have, you know made me a pariah and picked on me about it. But it, actually, it was actually the reverse was true. That actually I'd, I'd quite often find myself being asked all sorts of sort of obscure questions and, and stuff like that. It was, it, was, it was a very interesting time. And 
and uh, yeah, so they sort of they basically saw me as, as someone who wasn't really afraid of these sort of things because I more because I sort of understand it and and you know believed it and that sort of stuff, and so that, they sort of that sort of helped them alleviate their fears. Um, but all that sort of came to a head uh, one particular night. It was one a dark, stormy night <laughs> when uh, I received um, a phone call uh, from some people that I knew, and I'll, I'll, I'll I won't say their names to protect their their identities. Protect the guilty. But protect they were guilty. It was their own stupid fault. Uh, so I received this this uh, panicked phone call from uh, from one of them, and in, in in the background I could hear the others, the others from that sort of that group, um, screaming their heads off, like an absolute abject terror. Like they were, they were, they were, they were just going mental, crying, screaming. It was craziness. And, uh, the person who was the particular person on the phone, we'll call them, we'll call them, what do we call them? We'll call them, we'll call them Morris. So <laughs> Morris is on the phone and he's clearly freaking out as well, but he was at least clear enough to actually, uh, to get it, to make the phone call. And he's like, so like, David, uh, it's like it's you know we're really sorry we did what you told us not to do is we've had and we've had a seance and so because I've because I've warned them time and time again it's like you just don't want to mess with that sort of stuff you know what I mean it's it's uh, you know I'm not saying it's true I'm not saying it's real but why mess around with it you know what I mean so so yeah so because I wasn't there they of course went ahead and did it so it's like we had a seance and now there's blood dripping from the roof <laughs> I'm like. Uh, and straight up, I was like, bullshit. And he's like, and this is before cell phones. This is where I actually, I'm sort of trying to picture it. I'm actually on a rotary phone, like an actual dial phone. And, and it's like, I said, stop, you know, stop playing with me. And he says, no, no. He's like, he's like, listen to this. And like, you know, people are screaming and people, and it wasn't until I actually heard one of them crying until I actually believed it. I was like, well, that's clearly somebody crying. <laughs> so, and I'm like, all right. So sort of describe the situation to me. And so they, for from what they were saying is during the actual seance itself, they were hearing you know the standard sort of stuff, weird noises, and and uh, eventually escalated to uh, something falling off a shelf that couldn't possibly have moved off the shelf, you know that sort of stuff, the classic sort of stuff, and uh, and eventually it got to the point where um, that stopped, and then they got contacted by um, I never got the full details, but they got contacted by somebody, um, a female type persona that was like really really mean to one of the one of the girls um and so it was like was saying certain things to the girls i don't i can't i, can't, I don't know if I was, I was told or if i can't remember but it like make, and that's what actually eventually made her cry and then after that sort of event happened blood started dripping from the light <laughs> so the light fixture in the in the roof in the center of the room blood started coming out of that um and sort of and then sizzling on the globe and then you know, <laughs> dripping down to the to the floor and all that sort of stuff. And uh, and I'm laughing because I wasn't there. I didn't, I didn't see it. Um, so yeah, so you can sort of picture it: a bunch of teenagers screaming and yelling. Sounds terrifying. Yeah, it sounds it sounds pretty pretty intense. So and so I had to sort of basically sort of calm him down. I'm like I'm like, like okay, look, there's got to be there, there'll be a rational explanation for it. Even if and even if there isn't a rational explanation for it, you're all perfectly fine. Nothing's going to happen to you. I'm on my way over. Everything will be fine. And so I, I sort of calmed them down. Spooky so I calmed D's him down. Case. Sorry? I said Spooky D is on his way. Yes, yeah, Spooky D. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So they, so I calmed him down enough to go off. And then it's like, look, go speak to your sister. 
so they calm her down. She's obviously quite upset. And I said, I'll be on my way. And so I, so I jumped on my BMX and <laughs> pedaled over there. And of course, when I got over there, there's no blood. <laughs> there's no blood on the on the carpet. Um, and it was a white carpet, so it would have been very obvious. But there was, strangely enough, brownish sort of streaks coming from the light. Right. So immediately I'm intrigued. I'm like, this is awesome. You know, it's like, this is, this is, this, it turns out it might actually have really have happened. So I get like a stepladder out and I so I get up there and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm getting up and they're also like, it was funny because they're all sort of, they're actually all out of the room at this point. And they're all now huddled around the door. <laughs> so I'm the only one in the room. They're huddled around the door. So did like you have a high power flashlight? I did not have a high power flashlight because it's very upsetting that I did not. <laughs> um, but no, so, but the light was still on. It was still working. Um, so like, so I get, I get this, I get a stepladder thing out and I was like, up on the stepladder and I've got a chopstick of all things because that's all I could find that was long enough so I got a chopstick and I'm up and I'm sort of scraping out sort of this brown stuff and then as I did that the light blew <laughs> all right so they all scream I scream I almost <laughs> fall off the ladder and I'm like it's like all right it's just the light it's all good stop screaming uh one of them one of them goes and grabs a candle and so now I've got a candle and a chopstick and I'm still like you know I'm still scraping off it and stuff and uh, unfortunately, to to end the story, it turns out that it was in fact just dirty water <laughs> that was leaking from the roof, which I'm sure you, you obviously figured which out. Just why the light blew? Which we're eventually why the light blew. I mean, I can imagine it was like, like it wasn't something metal as you and it could have been dead. Yeah, so it did turn out to be sort of rusty, dirty water that had just come you know through the the light fixture type stuff, and uh, they were all relieved. They're still to this day convinced that. The thing, I can't remember what it was, but whatever it is, it fell off the shelf. Couldn't possibly have fallen off on its own. And uh, so they're convinced that it was, like the Enfield haunting thing, that it was partially natural events, but partially also supernatural events that are tied in and stuff. And uh, they never seanced ever again. <laughs> to, to your knowledge. Well, they never admitted to me if they ever did, but uh, they, they swore off it for, from that point on. So, so there you go. That's... Uh, the only scary, scary event that sort of actually happened to me. I've never done a seance. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, Tavis too far away I to wanna, come over and help out. Wanna, yeah, I'm not going to... I don't I have a BMX anymore. I can't ride over there. <laughs> there's really... a long way for your bike, yeah. Yeah, there's really, really no... There's, there's really no point. It's like, why why mess around with it just in case? You know, it sounds... It sounds the, the actually Ouija board was created as a game. It was never actually yeah. designed for supernatural purposes. It was meant to yeah. tap into your own sort of subconscious. Yes, it's it yeah. called the idiomotor effect. Yeah. So, anyway. Somebody, somebody at that table didn't like that girl. That's why they were saying bad things about her. Yeah. <laughs> well, to, to this day, I can't. I don't know what was said or where the voice was even meant to be coming from. But it's all guff. <laughs> but anyway, that's that's yeah, that's, yeah, that's the one I've got. Um, I do have another. I do have another one where, uh, very very quickly, uh, supposedly according to my mother, we were all sitting on the couch uh, watching the Twilight Zone, and it was one of the newer Twilight Zone episodes where, um, I know the the exact episode was uh, where this uh, teacher, no, the scientist is doing like a math problem or something, and he says I'd sell my soul um, for the solution to this problem, and the devil shows up, and the devil's played by uh, this quite prominent. Um, African-American comedian at the time and he's 
And uh, I, I remember it's it's an it's an awesome episode. I recommend you check it out. His t shirt keep the logo on his, on his t shirt keeps changing. It's hmm. and uh, you know Gehenna or bust, you know and stuff like that. It's not meant to be serious in any way. Um, and uh, they then get into a battle battle of wits and. Uh, yeah, you know, and the devil gets defeated. That's basically the episode. Um, but apparently, during the course of this episode, is um, uh, I was asked to go get everybody drinks, and according to her, what happened was I stood up, turned around, immediately turned back around, and sat back down and didn't say another word. And so she's like, "Hey, what's going on?" And uh, and I just I refused to respond. And uh, she turned around and she claims that she saw like a hazy, misty effect in the doorway that then disappeared. And so she turned back around to the TV and was like, well, screw that. <laughs> you know, and, I was, and, uh, and she then banned the Twilight Zone in our house. Can you believe it? She banned the Twilight Zone. So, uh, yeah, so whether that event is true or not, I don't know. I have no recollection of it, but she, she claims. Because it was actually a suicide in our house. Oh. Yeah, so one of the previous occupant of our house was, a, uh, was in a wheelchair. And was and committed suicide in the shower. We found that out years after we'd actually moved in there. But uh, yeah, so yeah, and, and now, true or not, I don't know, but interesting. Now you have the complete collection of the Twilight Zone on Blu-ray. Yeah, now I have every Twilight Zone episode ever made on Blu-ray. As a screw you, mum. <laughs> and I have since watched that episode again. It's awesome. My brother refused to sleep in the back bedroom because he saw white faces looking through the window at him at night time. Ooh, that's like that horror, that, that campfire story of the the hunter that's lost in the woods and he's really tired and he stumbles across a shack and um, and he he basically goes into the shack and the shack's quite well kept so he's like so he knows somebody's meant to be living there or it's a summer home of some kind or something and so he's like oh look I'm I'm just, I'm just I'm screwed I'm lost I'll just I'll rest here overnight and if like there's no one in there and if somebody comes. I'll just apologise profusely and offer to pay some money or something. It's all good. And when he gets in, he notices all these portraits on the walls, around the walls. Like you know, there's like six portraits around the walls, and they're all but they're all horrible portraits. Like the people in the portraits are all they all look like you know like portraits look like they're looking at you, and so like they're staring at him like with real evil, horrible, like we're gonna kill you type stares. You know what I mean? Like and it's, and it freaks him out. But he's like, well, screw it. Oh, bad luck. I'm just gonna crash anyway. They're only paintings. They're not going to do anything. It's all good. He goes to sleep, wakes up in the morning, you know, prepared to write a note of apology, and he looks up and he notices that they're actually not paintings at all. They're windows. Oh, jeez. <laughs> 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 oh, anyway. Uh, so let's finish up with our top five horror films. Top five. Well, top five or four. I've actually got more than five, so mine makes up for your lack. <laughs> but we're going to start with Bo. Oh, don't start with me. Oh, okay. We're not going to start with Bo. We're going to start with Crystal. <laughs> All right. Start with me. Start with my, my uh, pitiful, pitiful list. Yeah, I did specify top horror films. <laughs> Look, I'm scraping yeah. the bottom of the barrel here. <laughs> well, um... I do appreciate you agreeing to do a horror-themed episode. You do have to take what you get here. <laughs> okay. okay. My top one, David insists, is not a horror film, but it has Frankenstein in it. It has Frankenstein's monster in it. It has Frankenstein's monster in it. It's Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. <laughs> I love a good Abbott and Costello film. <laughs> hey, I'm not, Abbott! I'm not an Abbott and Costello fan, I must admit. <laughs> you know what I mean? I like him better than the Stooges, but... But it is a funny film. It was it was highly, it was highly amusing a few years ago when there was um, 
political uh, intrigue in Australia, and our headlines read Abbott and Costello feud. <laughs> Australian <laughs> politics is wacky. Yeah. Uh, anyway, number two on my list is a real horror film. It's The Woman in Black, yeah. um, starring Daniel Radcliffe. It's just, uh, I mean, it is quite a scary film, but not too scary, obviously, because otherwise I wouldn't watch it. Um, but it's enough to keep me intrigued. And that's what I like in a movie. It's something that's going to keep me intrigued and keep me watching. Uh, I find a lot of horror stuff as just gore for gore's sake, and I'm, I don't like gore. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't stomach gore. And I don't like the psychological ones that really freak you out psychologically. Right. So that cuts a lot of movies out. Horror is, as a, unless it's fair to say that as a genre, horror is not for you. Not really. <laughs> Number three on my list, David also um, says it's not technically a film, but I put it on there anyway. It's the, is it the Langoliers or the Langoliers? I pronounce it Langoliers, but I'm happy for you to do either way. Well, one Don't rely the, on my interpretation. One or the other. It's the, um, it's the TV movie version of the Stephen King story. Yeah. Um, and I don't usually read Stephen King because I find him too creepy. But I did quite find... You find I, him creepy or his novels creepy? Both. Both. Have you seen that? <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> have you seen his picture on the dust jacket? He's a creepy looking dude. He's creepy, yeah. Um, not to say he's a bad writer, but he's just creepy. Um, so I just found this one interesting in the concept of uh, the plane was like, a, I think it was a couple of minutes or something behind and the time of everyone else and they had to get a, back into their correct time because the Langoliers eat reality. Yeah. Time and reality. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting. It's almost Doctor Who-ish. Yeah. It's more of a sci-fi than really anything else. And number four... Is and not a film. Not a film. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Not a, number four, even though I loathe zombies, I just can't stand the thought of a zombie eating me and then turning into a zombie. <laughs> and number four film is Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. Just because it's got a lot of my favourite people in it. <laughs> it's quite funny. So the dead is awesome. And it introduced the concept of keeping your best friend on a leash, even though he's a zombie. I'd keep you on a leash if you were a zombie. <laughs> Thank you, love. <laughs> I promise not to eat your brains. You can interpret that any way you want. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I don't know if I was yet ready yet, so we'll do me. Um, so I don't I don't have uh, a top five. I actually found this. I, Unlike Crystal, I'm a huge fan of horror uh, films. I, I, I love them. I love some sub-genres more than others. I actually quite like the psychological ones. Um, more than I, I'm not a big fan of the gore ones for gore's sake. Things yeah. like Hostel, you know that sort of stuff. They don't, don't, they don't do it for me. I don't like the body horror either. The idea yeah. of someone like hacking off bits of your body for pleasure. And, no, yeah. see, I don't mind those ones. I mean, it's, yeah. So when I mean, films like Hostel, um, yeah, I just I just find them gratuitous. You know, Saw. I, I especially despise the Saw movies. You know, so stuff like that. They don't, they don't do it for me. It but, hits me on a visceral level that I don't like. Yeah, <laughs> but I do really like um, sort of the supernaturally themed psychological ones, and I also quite like creature features. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, I don't, know. I don't know why. I just don't like that sort of stuff. Um, I do like the Hammer horror stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and then Hammer, you know, the campy. I mean, let's say this is not scary at all. Campy Hammer horror that yeah. just aren't scary at all. And so, yeah, I quite, I quite, uh, I, I've now gotten to the point that for, with my extensive horror movie watching that. Uh, Actually, just if it's if it's not psychological, that doesn't really then I don't find it scary at all. Like I don't find creature scare, horror movies scary. In any I don't way. enjoy being scared. Yeah, that's probably my main problem. Yeah, so my so my favourites at the moment are the psychological ones because they're the only ones that actually scare me. Uh, but that being said, um, I didn't. I, could, I found it really hard to do a top five horror films, and I've seen so many of them. I just I just 
I found it really hard to put them in terms of in, in a ranking system because there's so many different subgenres of them. Um, so what I'll do, what I'm going to just going to just read out a list of you know some of the, the my favourites that sort of popped into my head. So uh, in no particular order, we've got Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. Uh, I'm not that big a fan of Day of the Dead, but Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead are John Romero's uh, zombie films, and they pretty much paved the way for every zombie film since then, um, and established exactly how sort of the law of how zombies work, well, at least that particular type of zombie um, work, you know, for for decades since then, and it's and uh, they are they are you know lauded for that very reason, but they're also actually quite good films of themselves. Um, you can you can watch them with the idea of the themes behind them. I mean, like Night of the Living Dead is essentially about racism in America and Dawn of the Dead is essentially about uh, capitalism. Um, but even if you take those out, they still are, you know, quite enjoyable films. Um, I prefer to keep the racism part of Night of the Living Dead in my mind while I'm watching it because, wow, it's powerful mm. stuff. Um, <laughs> and as much as I loathe zombies, you love zombies. I love zombies. We had zombies on our wedding cake. <laughs> <laughs> that's true fact that's cool. I, I'll chuck a photo on this we actually yeah so our wedding cake is uh, Crystal and I fighting off zombies that are trying to climb up the cake to get to us yes so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah it was cool it was very very cool and thank you to Crystal for allowing that to happen um, so, <laughs> she said no to the Star Trek themed wedding so I thought well next best thing I'm going to have a zombie cake uh, yeah uh, so next on this is The Exorcist uh, for obvious reasons not only is it an excellent film um, it is once again the you know the, the catalyst for all possession films since then. Um, I, this is one of the films where she says this all the time, but it's not true. I don't force her to watch films. It's not like I you know tied her to the chair, except for this one. I actually did what force a, her to watch. Chains for. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I was like, look, you know, we've got to get you to some you know some horror, and this is the perfect way to start. Um, and she was bored out of her brain. Yeah. Which one was this? The Exorcist. Yeah, the only, <laughs> the only time I this is really early on when we were dating. The only time I jumped was when the phone rang in the film. <laughs> <laughs> the phone rang. Finally, you jumped. Went, yeah, it's the noise of the phone. <laughs> I didn't expect it to ring. <laughs> so the, the images in the in the cupboard doors and stuff. No, don't care. But a phone ringing. That's yeah. That's exciting. Well, the phone never rings anymore. Yeah. Uh, so another one for the for the same sort of reason is Halloween. Um, it was. Uh, it wasn't the first, but it was the best of the slasher films, and then every slasher film since then has, has copied it in some way. Um, it is John Carpenter's finest work, in my opinion, um, followed very closely by They Live, which is awesome, but not a horror film. Um, and follow on that sort of, sort of same sort of theme, as sort of like, you know, pioneers, we've got uh, The Innocents, which is actually from, I believe, the 60s. It's a black and white film. And like as I was saying earlier in the show, kids are creepier. I highly, highly recommend it. It's, it's the perfect example of that sort of film. Um, highly recommend check it out. Um, and uh, Poltergeist, Toby Hooper. Well, you know, some people say Toby Hooper directed it, but let's face it, Steven Spielberg directed quite a lot of it. Uh, it's, you know, I have no proof of that, but it's pretty obvious. Uh, so yeah, so it's a, as, as I was suggest, deals with Poltergeist. It was recently remade, and the remake it's not terrible, but it really is unnecessary. Um, so yes, yeah, so it's a family moving uh, move into a new house that's been built on a new estate and uh, get uh, attacked and, and uh, the little girl gets kidnapped uh, by the souls of the people in the graveyard that the house is built on that were, that were never moved. They claim they moved the bodies, but they actually never did. They just moved the headstones. Disgraceful. It, no, that's, that's disrespectful. So no wonder the ghost got upset. 
Entertaining. I've not watched that movie and I never will. Because when it came out, my big sister went to see it and then told me all about it and I couldn't sleep or look at my wardrobe for weeks. Yeah. So just hearing about it freaked me out. The clown is magnificent. <laughs> I don't want to know about the clown. <laughs> uh, so uh, moving quickly, we've got Let the Right One In. Um, it's, a, it's a film based... And there's actually two versions, so I actually include both the original and the American remake. remake. I think they both have their, their pros and cons. Um, and uh, it's based on the book uh, by... John Linquist. Someone's trying to get in the building homes there. Sorry, some of the homeless guy was beating on the door. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually like kind of scary. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> anyway, continuing on. Um, yeah, so uh, let the right one in. Uh, great stuff. Good example of a vampire film. Um, the Shining, of course, classic. Based the on Stephen King. The Shining. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to get sued. Um, yep, great film. Uh, we did that as a as a film flam. And uh, did we do the Shining as a film flam, or do we do the documentary as a film flam? We did the Shining, yeah, but we, we talked. Actually... Of, but we mostly talked about the documentary though, <laughs> during it. <laughs> That's, yeah, so we did the film, but talked about the documentary. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and uh, the thing, John Carpenter's the thing. Yeah, uh, which I think is his third best film. <laughs> it is a horror film. Uh, a Nightmare on Elm Street. Wes Craven. It's uh, you know it's pretty much it's it's the the perfect slasher film and it has a really cool sort of supernatural uh, element to it. And uh, rest in peace, Wes Craven. Uh, Fright Night. Not necessarily a horror film. I don't know, but it's got vampires in it. Uh, it's it's like a horror comedy. Um, I'm a huge fan of it. It's a terrible film. I, I openly admit it, but I love it. It's just one of the staples of my teenage years. Uh, Clive Barker's Hellraiser. It's an awesome book. It's an awesome film. Check it out. Uh, Psycho, the original and the best. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't have that on your list. I haven't seen it. Oh, it's a disgrace. I've actually seen uh, the end of it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I didn't mean to. It was just on at Erin's house one day. <laughs> <laughs> um, and two uh, two recent ones, uh, a strain film, The Babadook. The Babadook. <laughs> Love it. Um, it's got its flaws. It's not perfect, but I, I, I really, really, I think it's a very impressive job. The name is cool. Um, the name is cool. Um, and last but definitely not least, one I just saw just recently. So it's that good that it got on my list. Um, it's called The Gift. It's uh, Joel Edgerton. So it's it's uh, it's it spurred an interesting conversation between Crystal and myself about what actually is an Australian film or not. So I guess it's technically not an Australian film, but it is uh, written and directed by Joel Edgerton, who is Australian. Yeah, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Australia's own. Australia's own. And uh, it's really cool. I, I can't recommend it enough. Check it out. It's basically about a guy, a, a man and a woman who move into a new house in Los Angeles and they're out shopping to get stuff for the house and they bump into this creepy dude, but it turns out that the creepy dude knew... Um, the guy are back in school. So they went to the same school together and something happened at school and it's not really revealed until later on um, what actually happened. But the guy is really creepy and but, but the wife is lonely and so and, and thinks that he's really not that bad. And so whenever the husband's not around, the, the guy comes around to visit and, you know, brings gifts and he's like really nice and, you know, so she's, you know, they, they strike up a bit of a friendship and then the whole thing just takes a wacky turn where it's like it's finally revealed that it, I mean, the, the guy, the husband's like a complete bastard. The husband's played by uh, Jason Bateman. He's just a complete bastard. Um, and and then the, the revelation of what actually happened at school, um, and then everything just goes wacky from then, and then ends in uh, a brilliant way. So 
Joel Edgerton, Australia's own. Great stuff. It's nice to hear Jason Bateman's not playing the same character again. Yeah, he's definitely not playing the same character. This is not Teen Wolf 2 here, people. Not that I don't like Jason Bateman. I think he's awesome. <laughs> oh, I love Jason Bateman. But he but... plays the same character and everything. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, interesting. So there's mine. Finish up with Bo. All right, so I just had my list up and my laptop finally died. But I think I remember it. Okay. All right, so my number five actually was Baba Duke. Wow. Um, I uh, yeah, I put it on my list because I watched it recently, and I'm not really into the, you know, I, I don't really like the modern, like, jump scare, horror movie, possession things, or that's not really a possession movie, but, you know, that type of modern uh, horror, I'm not really into. Yep. But Baba Duke, I thought was really good because it is somewhat of an intellectual intellectual film because I think you can look at the film uh, from a few different angles, mm-hmm. and I really like I really like Baba Duke a lot. Awesome. Um, number four... I'm going to say 28 Days Later. Cool. Um, good choice. And the whole, the whole, you know, the 28 Weeks Later is really good. Um, I'm hoping that they, you know, still come out with more of those movies. And um, I really liked that concept of, uh, it's like a, you know, it's very similar to The Walking Dead, where, like, it's a zombie apocalypse movie that takes place in a universe where that's happened. Hmm. But it's also a very slow, arty film. You know, it's not like, you know, it's not in-your-face zombie apocalypse. Hmm. Um, it's it's kind of an interesting take on it, and the creator of that movie actually says that it's not a zombie film because it's about a virus. But yeah, guess what? It's a zombie film, buddy. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like Jeff Johns who wrote he wrote the the DC comic story um, Black as Night, saying yeah. that, that it's not a zombie story, and it's like, but it's about a whole bunch of dead people coming back to life and attacking people. It's quite clearly yeah. a zombie film. But how are you doing it? There's no copyright right on the word zombie. <laughs> I, don't so know. Just... I don't know. He thinks he thinks he's better than he is. Yeah, moving on. Sorry. And then number three, I'm going to say uh, Night of the Living Dead, which is an in-your-face zombie movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like you said, I like how I like how they wrote the they wrote the story, um, you know, for a white actor, and then that actor flaked out, and they changed it to a black actor. And at that time, normally they would have changed the rules of the movie. They wouldn't have had a black actor slap a white lady on screen, and yep. you know it would have been it would have been a different movie. But they thought they were being very progressive in in like not changing anything, like purposely keeping it written for a white actor. And that's it's a really cool movie. Yeah. Plus, like you said, it kind of paved the way for The Walking Dead and for you know other zombie movies and that sort of thing. Um, I'm with you in that day of day of the dead is probably, or which one is in the mall? Dawn or day? Okay. So Dawn is probably the better of the, you know, of the next coming movies. But yeah, so we have, we have, uh, we have those movies to thank for what we know of as modern zombie movies. Yeah. All right. So number two, I'm going to say, and I don't, I don't think a lot of people would classify this as a horror movie, but one of the only movies that has actually scared me is Eyes Wide Shut. I think I classify it as a horror movie because it's terrifying to me to think that there's probably, in in reality, you know, with the existence of this movie or not, there probably is, you know, these huge secret society parties that can just, they just have enough money to make somebody disappear. Yeah. And the idea of being chased by by those people and and they can just you know make you evaporate from existence because they have enough money to do that that's a yeah. terrifying thing so i say eyes wide shut fits in the list at least okay um and then another stanley kubrick film the shining my number one 
Uh, when we did the film flam on it, it really made me appreciate it. I think that's one of my favorite horror movies. It just has like this like internal meaning um, beyond what you just see on camera. And you can um, after we watched the documentary and talked about all the different like you know how they changed the set during filming and they filmed in two different hotels to make it seem like the building was impossible. Um, it really makes you appreciate like the the subtlety of that movie. So, The Shining, number one horror movie. Awesome. <laughs> Good choices. So that's it for episode 167, our special campfire episode. <laughs> All right, we survived it. We made it. We survived it. The, the sun has risen. Dawn has arrived. <laughs> and we're all good. Nobody attacked us. Except for the baby magpie. Except for that bloody magpie. <laughs> <laughs> and whoever showed up at Bo's office building. <laughs> Yeah, that was scary. That was so well-timed. That was awesome. <laughs> so uh, thank you very much for joining us for our special Halloween episode. It's uh, Halloween's not the biggest thing in, the, in Australia, but it's definitely becoming that way. It's, and uh, Yeah, same. People, generally people, instead of sending their kids out trick-or-treating, I know that happens in some neighbourhoods, but not a lot, uh, people generally just have a Halloween party. Yeah. I like Halloween. I'm a big fan of that holiday. It's not actually a holiday here. Yeah, dude. Yeah. It's not a holiday here, which is a shame. No, we do have a holiday coming up, but it's for a horse race. <laughs> That's, that'll give you an idea of Australian culture. <laughs> so we have, we yeah. have a, well, America does one too. It does. Is Derby is Derby Day an, an actual day off, Bo? No. See, no. we get a day off of work for a horse Halloween's race not even, and a football game this year. Halloween's not even a day off though. You still have to work on Halloween. Oh dear. Huh. Yeah, but Halloween. Holiday. You know, I can't imagine being a parent today and like giving my kids the freedom that I had on Halloween. It was not cool to trick or treat in your neighborhood, so we would go like three neighborhoods down and trick or treat, and you know, hmm. I I don't know, man. Down to the alpha, know, down apparently. to the uh, alphabet streets. <laughs> no, I never trick. I didn't trick or treat in the alphabet streets. I don't, I don't think anybody. I don't think nobody trick or treats in the alphabet. <laughs> he'd show up. He'd show up to a door in the alphabet streets, and uh, they'd give you a syringe or something. <laughs> a <little> baggy. <laughs> Oh jeez, we've got suburbs just like the Alphabet Street team. Yeah, it's cool. That was a cool episode, by the way. It's it, yeah. We've got. Uh, I, I actually grew up in a suburb just like that, and I turned out all right. Or yeah. did I? <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, that's it for our Halloween episode. Thank you very much for joining us. Bye. 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 <laughs> You've been listening to NCP. Thank you for being a part of our crew. If you would like to support the show, you can use the Amazon widget on our website to do your Amazon shopping. If you have any feedback, please go to nerdculturepodcast.com forward slash contact us where you will find a list of the many different ways you can interact with us. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode.